Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBrew, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Senior Market Analyst Roman Zuruk. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of FX Talk. And uh, we've had a little bit of an unintentional break since our last episode, so apologies for that. Uh, And if we're honest, we've probably picked a bit of a bad period to go without an episode because September was a very busy one in financial markets. We saw a general pickup in levels of volatility among the major currencies following the typically subdued summer period. September was very much dominated by central bank announcements, The general theme being that most of these central banks are either at or nearing the end of their tightening cycles, though interest rate cuts are not necessarily in the offing for a little while yet. The European Central Bank kicked things off last month by delivering a dovish hike, whereby it raised interest rates, but suggested little appetite to raise rates again. Meanwhile, the Bank of England shocked investors, unexpectedly keeping interest rates unchanged, after the August UK inflation report missed expectations. On the flip side, the Federal Reserve delivered a hawkish hold, whereby there was no rate increase, but the dot plot of interest rate projections indicated that Fed members expected to raise rates on one more occasion this year, with no rush to cut interest rates. This hawkish Fed stance, accompanied by strong US data, has led to a sharp increase in US Treasury yields, The 10-year Treasury yield has jumped to a 16-year high, around the 4.8% level, which in turn has triggered an aggressive rally in the dollar against pretty much every other currency. The US dollar index is up over 6.5% since mid-July alone and is now around its highest level since November. Uh, But what do you guys think has been behind the extent of this dollar rally? Uh, And and do you see room for further appreciation in the dollar? Um. I think that the, the the biggest driver of market moves the last few weeks, not just uh, in currency markets, but in, in all markets, credit, stocks, has been this, this surprising uh, spike in, in U.S. rates. I mean, it's surprising because it's happening at the same time as uh, the uh, latest inflation data has actually been quite positive, would, would expect to, to have had the opposite effect, if anything, and, and at a point which, in my view, for the first time in many, many years, you could look at um, the Treasury bonds and see value from an investor's perspective, right? Uh, at yields that are getting close to 5%, with core inflation returning to, apparently returning to, to target. Uh, and... This sell-off then it has to be driven by supply and demand imbalances is the only explanation that I find. The fact that uh, U.S. deficits are massive, uh, there's no effort afoot. There's not even any discussion on the possibility of of uh, bringing them, of, of reducing them. Uh, the U.S. Treasury is going to to have to issue enormous amounts of bonds on the over the next few years. The uh, Federal Reserve is also uh, in a in a not very not much discussed process of selling bonds of unwinding the uh, the balance sheet it accumulated during during quantitative easing. Uh, so you have an enormous flood of in of bonds coming to market in the U.S. with 
with uh, demand that is at best stable and perhaps even waning as most holders of bonds are nursing significant losses. Now, this process is happening in the U.S., but frankly, this is, is, is also in an attenuated manner happening in, in all over the G10 countries. Uh, but it is it is clearly most extreme in the U.S. So it's I, I think that the U.S. at this point is clearly overvalued that the rally has gone too far. Uh, I would say the same thing about the sell off in uh, of the, the spike in U.S. rates, but it's difficult to put uh, an actual uh, some actual timing around around the the bottom. But clearly, from a fundamental perspective. Uh, both have gone too far, the dollar rally and the spike in yields. I fully agree with you, Enrique, on that. I think that the yields has been the main driver of the US dollar in the past few weeks, and they had uh, an outside impact, not only on the US dollar, but also on many other currencies and, as you said, other uh, asset classes. Uh, we have hit uh, some of the highest levels in, in many, many years, uh, looking at the 30-year Yield uh, in the US, we are at 5%. This is the highest since 2007. The 10-year yield is closing in on 5%. And I think it's reasonable to think that we will get to that level uh, in the near term. Uh, however, when the Fed is done raising rates in such an instance, typically what we expect is a reversal of that process at some point, stabilization and reversal. And uh, I think that this is something that is set to happen uh, at some point. And uh, this fuel uh, that was uh, supporting the US dollar uh, is set to, in my view, uh, disappear. And however, when it comes to the timing, it's very difficult, particularly also that we have strong readings from the US economy, that we have the Fed that is signaling the possibility that they may raise rates. So it may it may still take uh, take some time uh, until uh, this uh, this fuel runs out. Yes, look, I, mean, I think you guys are spot on. I think this extent of this move high that we have seen in US yields certainly caught investors by surprise. And, and I do agree. I think there is an argument to suggest that markets have perhaps gotten too carried away with themselves. Because you know, on the one hand, while the US economy is performing very well and is, is very resilient, at the same time, as we've mentioned, inflationary pressures appear to be easing quite nicely. Uh, and I think that 2% Fed target it is certainly not as far off as in many other countries. Um, for me, I think the strength of the, the US labour market is going to be key in the next couple of months. I think if we see more signs of a, a deterioration and a cooling there, I think that would confirm our suspicion that the Fed's hiking cycle may already be done. It could also bring forward the timing of interest rate cuts. And given the extent of the move that we've seen higher in both US yields and the dollar, I think that does open up some room for retracement, albeit I would say that um, we may not see as significant a retracement in the dollar as what we'd previously anticipated. Okay, great. We're going to move on now. And uh, amid the US dollar rally, the euro dollar has slumped to its lowest level uh, since the beginning of the year, uh, around the 105 level. Of course, on the one hand, that has partly has to do with a strong US dollar. But on the other, the euro has been hit by a double whammy, whereby We've had a dovish European Central Bank and deteriorating economic news out of the Eurozone. The ECB quashed expectations that it could raise rates again following its September meeting, indicating that while it has not completely closed the door to further hikes, more tightening is unlikely to be needed. 
At the same time, economic news has worsened. The PMIs have fallen. The composite index is comfortably below 50. Growth is is pretty non-existent. We saw expansion of just 0.1% quarter on quarter in Q1 and Q2, with Germany performing particularly poorly due to its its exposure to high energy prices. Uh, A recession in the common block this year, not a foregone conclusion, although a contraction in Q3 appears a very real possibility. While at the same time, Eurozone inflation finally appears to be easing, with the latest core inflation number dropping to its lowest level in a year, just 4.5%. I think the key question now is, what does this mean for ECB policy? And has this erased all possibility of another ECB rate hike? What do you both think? I mean, the numbers are not great. The problem with the Eurozone, obviously, is that we always have a big lag between um between uh economic data uh which we have a, a we have a general lack in the in your eurozone of of uh, coincident data like uh, we have in the US uh with the sole exception of inflation right so for instance when it comes to industrial production and uh and retail sales we're now looking at august numbers they both came out really poorly um they're validating the frankly, terrible sentiment numbers that we're seeing, the sentiment numbers for the PMIs, which, which are the only really uh, timely, uh, important, uh, critical data points that come out of the Eurozone. So it's going to be the, the the European Central Bank is a very unenviable position, much worse position than the Fed. I mean, it's going to have to choose between fighting inflation, which even after last last week's good news remains considerably above target, on the one hand, and a severely weakening economy where a technical recession is is not out of the question for the next couple of quarters. Um, I would not like to be in the ECB's uh, shoes right now. And frankly, the indication is that they're going to prioritize growth over over inflation. Um, so, yeah, I think that is the, the, the threshold, the barrier for the ECB hiking rates further is is very high. I think it's the end of hikes in the Eurozone. Uh, But I wouldn't think that this is because of weak growth numbers, although certainly what we are seeing is is not very great. I don't think it's tragic yet in any way. We are still dancing on the verge of recession in the Eurozone, but uh, not decisively falling into it. But what we are also seeing, in addition to weak economic numbers, uh, economic activity numbers, uh, is the weak inflation momentum. So we have come a long way in the eurozone. Recent uh, numbers uh, of the, both the HICP inflation and the core inflation uh, have been uh, lower than expected. And also the momentum of the key components of the inflation, uh, even those that are most sticky or the most linked to the labor market, they are all at around 4%. So this is not still at the level of the target, uh, but this gives the encouragement that uh, we are on a good way to get there at some point. And really, in terms of the arguments for raising rates further, uh, there is only one uh, that I see, and this is the tightness of the uh, labor market. But this argument is basically everywhere that that we are seeing. And I don't think that this is enough uh, to really push 
for further hikes uh, from the ECB, I think it's enough to keep those rates high uh, in the in the near term and, and perhaps uh, in the medium term. Uh, but I don't think that we are going to see uh, any more rate increases. Yes, no, I, I certainly agree with that. And um, I, mean, I, I think I'm certainly quite concerned, I would say, about the outlook for the euro. Um, as you said, the ECB appears to have Close the door to more hikes. Markets are pricing in less than a 30% chance of another 25 base point hike. And as you mentioned, Enrique, policymakers do appear to be shifting their focus away from inflation and back towards the growth outlook, which is very fragile. And, and that is undoubtedly a concern for the euro. Um, not only does that diminish the, the possibility of another hike, but it also brings forward uh, a first rate cut interview potentially in the first half of next year uh, and I don't think it's entirely out of the question that the ECB could even cut rates before the Fed which would be I would say a, a massive downside risk uh, to the common currency um, so certainly that does open up some some more near terms downside I would say perhaps in the euro um, before we do potentially see that correction which I think most of the market is anticipating. <laughs> Okay, we're going to end now by talking uh, about the pound. Uh, And sterling has been one of the worst performers in the G10 in the past month. Now, that's partly due to valuation. Sterling had been the best performing major currency this year, up until very recently. But also we've seen a dovish turn from the Bank of England. The MPC unexpectedly held rates steady in September in a narrow 5-4 vote, citing the impact of these aggressive rate hikes uh, on the UK economy and the labour market. The committee appears increasingly concerned over the state of the UK economy, revising down its Q3 GDP forecast to just 0.1% from 0.4% previously anticipated. This marks a pretty sharp U-turn because at one stage markets were pricing in a base rate of around about 6%, and now we may not even see rates hit 5.5%, with another hike not even fully priced in by markets. Uh, this has seen, seen sterling underperform in the past month, with the pound falling to around the 121 level against the US dollar and its lowest level in six months. Uh, but what impact will this dovish turn have on the pound in the coming months? What do you both think? And, and does this temper your optimism on the UK currency? I mean, it certainly would if the pound hadn't fallen so much. I think that, let's just remember that just a few mo- weeks ago, we're seeing the uh the pound uh, targeting almost one thirty-five dollars. Um, I think that this dovishness does indicate that the Bank of England, like the ECB, is is now equally cons- at least equally concerned with with growth, the growth outlook as it is with inflation, uh, if not more so. Uh, but on the other hand, this is a massive drop of ten percent uh, on 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 the valuation of the pound, which I think prices in. Uh, not just on it, that the end of hikes is is almost here, but also we're pricing in uh, cuts fairly early into the next year. I think that those, as in the US, uh, I think that I would expect the Bank of England to start pushing back against those expectations like the Federal Reserve did fairly quickly, which would provide a catalyst for the rally. And in general, the UK economy has shown somewhat more resiliency than the Eurozone economy uh, over the last year. Uh, and I think that uh, the Bank of England uh, can afford to keep the rates significantly higher than the eurozone for longer, uh, without having the same impact on the uh, on the economy. So, I'm I'm pretty bullish about the pound here at these levels. 
I agree, but at the same time, the the arguments uh, in favor of uh, rate hikes in the UK, I think they also diminished, and also on the inflation front, not only on the economic activity front. So uh, I'm I'm not sure that we are going to get a hike. Although, uh, if we were to compare the three central banks, I think that clearly the highest likelihood that we are going to get an increase is from the Bank of England. Mm, However, whether they would be able to, to to, to organize their communication in a way that would support the the currency, uh, I'm not necessarily sure. Uh, knowing uh, many difficulties in uh, communication that they've had in the past, and that uh, on many times I think possibly unintentionally hurt the the, the currency. Um, but I'm also uh, seeing the extent of uh, of this pressure on the pound. I'll be thinking that uh, some room to rebound uh, is is certainly there in my view uh, but i think that the the bank of england as uh, generally central banks uh, is moving towards the the end of the hiking process yes no i agree i'm i'm, I'm pretty much on the same page as you guys my my optimism on sterling has has certainly been tempered in the in the last few weeks i think sort of the pillar of our bullish sterling call was that the Bank of England would hike rates deeper into 2023 than its peers. That's now perhaps not necessarily on the cards. Albeit, having said that, I keep looking at the, the UK wage data, UK core inflation, both of which remain or are running at very hot levels. And for me, I think that justifies further hikes. UK growth is still resilient. We saw an upward revision to the GDP figures last week. So I'm still of the opinion that we'll get one more rate hike. Um, but at any rate, I think the Bank of England will hold rates steady for, for longer than many of its peers. Um, and I, I, again, agree with you guys. I still think we'll see upside in sterling, partly has to do with valuation. Um, but again, that, that rebound that we, that we might say, uh, see will not, I don't think, be as, as, as pronounced as what we had anticipated uh, even uh, a matter of a month ago. And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening. <laughs>